So good to be back on uh, the Real Life Podcast. Uh, today joining me is co-founder of Real Life Creative Construction, Steve Morley. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> so listen, today's topic is about this 17-year high and rise in the property market. Are we due to have a bounce or a correction or a crash? Steve, did you even know that the property market has been increasing for 17 years? No, not really. I think it's just by coincidence, um, actually looking into my own property, how much the price has actually risen. So we bought our first property for 88000 and then that same property is now been valued at 180000 wow. So in a space of <clears throat> 12 years, it's gone up near enough 100000 in, in that time so it's only until <clears throat> i thought of it that way that actually how much house prices have actually gone up in this time yeah so like there was always a rule of thumb especially when looking at the investment market or the story that people are told to like get on the housing ladder and all these incentives to do so rather than get their money to work for them, which is another subject we'll talk about maybe later on another day. But it was always like seven to 10 year cycles of where house prices double. Yeah, so that, based on what you've just said, that kind of fits in. I know the houses that I, the first house I bought was one for about 117 when I was 19. Actually sold that at a loss. <laughs> yeah, but then uh, other houses I bought, yeah, for five or six, seven year time periods, they have doubled. So uh, history shows that it's about seven to 10 years, house price double. Well, normally there would be some kind of correction or some kind of drop off or reduction. Obviously in 2008, uh, we've seen some kind of chaos, you know, explode and cause some disruption. But now we're saying 17 years, the house prices have consistently been rising. And some experts, whoever they are, and whoever you get called expert for whatever reason, have said that we're now at the peak. That seven years, 17 years is now the peak. And the average house price in the UK was something around 277,000, which, um, again, I don't like averages because you know if you've got houses worth 40 to 60 million and they're included in that it kind of sways it off a lot yeah so but, but but like i know some of the houses that were on the streets in places where i used to live are literally through the roof and like obviously my mindset is like you know buying a house for like 115 120 and uh, now house prices that are not even on that street are on a less desirable street and now like 200 plus 250 i mean that is that is why i think now people are saying how difficult it is to get on the housing housing uh ladder is what it's called isn't it yeah yeah what i mean why why did you buy a house well um i'm a very traditional person i like to think so you know met my now wife sean we decided to get married, buy a house and raise a family. So it's, you know, a place for safe security and happy memories to, to, to build that in. 
So that's that was the real reason why we sort of bought a house is to actually, you know, create that family life that we was wanting together and how and and you know, we, we had a time frame of like, okay, in between five and ten years we was looking to move, but actually we've we've sort of really enjoyed where we live, what it brings to us uh, individually and as a family, and we've you know we've we've decided to stay there now for for thirteen years. So um, yeah, so that's why we've we decided to buy a house. Yeah, were you ever led to believe, or did you ever think it was a way of like generating wealth or, or making money at all? No, not really. I I, I saw the. But it has happened because you bought it for eighty, and now it's going to be yeah. worth, uh, you know, one hundred and eighty, right? Yeah. So we we sort of, you know, we know the principles of buying a house, you know, doing it up, adding extra value to it, but we always thought that was a, a long game. We always thought that you know we'll, uh, you know, in ten, twenty years, uh, at that point in our lives, we'll be you know no mortgage, you know, more money in the bank, more money behind us and, and, and stuff like that. So to actually change my view on that of actually, well, property can be sort of uh, an investment to generate myself and my wife um, income was was completely an unknown to us until the last like couple of years. Mm. So, you know, I mean, I've traveled all over the world helping thousands of people and uh, it seems that like most people, not all, but most people's dream is to be able to have ownership of a property. So at some point they think they at least have this asset, which is some kind of safety net. Like, is that, you say you're traditional, so I'm assuming the people around you may be traditional as well. Like, is that what everybody's thoughts are, you think? Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely say so in the... the you know, my my sort of immediate family and, and Sean's family is, is definitely very, you know, you go to work, you get a pension, you buy a house, you pay it off. And, you know, at the, at the end of it, you've, you've, you know, left it to your, your, your children sort of thing. So, you know. Do, so is that everybody's dream that they want to just leave the house to the children? I mean, what kind of, what, what, what's, what do you think the benefit of doing that is? Well, for me, I guess that's the the security of, of what you know, of maybe people, but you know, definitely my point of view was, you know, later in life, I, I always wanted to, you know, have my own house and be able to afford two houses that I could rent out until the day comes that you know I kick my kids out and go, there's a house for you um, <laughs> to to you know. Not to not to worry or, or take it for granted, but just more more for you know. I know that I've managed to do that for them. So you know, in in the end, it was sort of like, well, if I could provide that as they grow up, if they sell it, made a profit on it, move into their sort of family home, you know, they could more than more than happily do that without that sort of worry. Because you know, when I first bought my house at um, twenty one. You know, I had to jump through a lot of hoops 
and had to do a lot of things to to actually buy that house. So, or did you do it all yourself? Did you have any training? Was anybody guiding you, helping you? No, no. At twenty one years old, um, I literally bought my first house with myself and Sean. And the, the only reason that we got that house is because uh, we managed to save up. So, you know, I, I, I left school at 16, went straight, straight well, So when work. you bought your house, what deposit did you put down? Uh, so we put... Um, uh, what was the percentage? We had to put 10% down. 10. Yeah, so when I first bought, it was 5%. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we had to put, put 10% down. So we actually put £8,000 down. And then the money that we actually, you know, from me saving from, you know, work from 16 and, and the money that Sean... Uh, uh, had had saved as well. We we put that money into doing up the house and and you know making it what what we wanted to you know for us to create a family home. Mm. Yeah. So um, I don't think anybody's having any kind of guidance. I mean, this these schemes that come out help to buy a scheme and uh, you know help people get on the on the housing ladder. Let's call it. But there's no one there show, like telling them, like, is this the best investment for them? You know, because this is a bit, you know, controversial. And I know it is because I've said it, but I've already made a decision. I don't want to pass anything on to my children, nothing to do with my businesses, my wealth or anything. You know, if they want to work their way up uh, in part of the real life brand or anything like that, then that's up to them. They can they can decide to do that or they could decide to do it by themselves. And I'll always be there to help them, support them, guide them in the best way I can. But I don't want to leave them anything. I don't want to say, yeah, yeah, this is just yours. Mm. Um, I want them to be able to create it for themselves. Now, a lot of people, they say their dream is to be able to hand their stuff and that's up to them. Uh, and uh, I just don't believe that's what I want to do because... I had to do it all myself, and I feel in a better position now. Like if I lo if I lost everything, I'd know how to build it back up again. Yeah, yeah, from scratch. Where, I, and I'm not saying that that's what we're intending to happen, but like, if you've not been able to work your way up, build your way up, if you ever find yourself in a position in some difficulties, like what are you supposed to do? How are you supposed to get back to winning if you don't know what it took to get there in the first place? Yeah, so. When it comes to people who make made money, because my sisters are a lot older than me, so I've got a set of twins that are 14 years older than me. They created a lot of capital. I'm not, I'm not going to call it wealth because I don't believe that's what it is, but they created a lot of capital. They moved to Reading, yeah, and they moved to Reading and bought a house, and their house prices went absolutely pop, boom, massive. Yeah, so, they, so when they sold that house, they moved back up to the Midlands, which is where we're kind of all... Uh, originated from or at least this generation of the family did anyway then uh they, they just had masses of money uh to then go buy a house cash and, and own it but like is my question is is this the best way to like if everyone's goal is to buy a house to then be able to pass it on and create some kind of wealth generationally is that the best way to do it I mean, I've got my opinion, but I want to hear from you. Uh, I think it's a good question, if I'm honest. I think... I By think the way, obviously, two years ago versus what you know now, well, yeah. so it's going to be very different answers. Yeah. I, 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 well, so what's your answer? What would your answer have been two years ago? My, my answer two years ago would have been, like, 
know, have the goal of, of having my house, buying two, two more houses for my kids. And then as I got older, if I moved, moved up into a bigger house that, that is, uh, you know, more valuable uh, on the market, you know, I would have just left that all, all, all to the, to the kids like and, and I would have been happy with that now it's you know it's completely different I've gone from going you know what I want to have three houses to I want to have a really good portfolio to make sure that to, to make sure that you know the, the housing market the, the, the property market is, is is working for me to bring that income in now my views probably still hasn't changed in the sense of that anything that any any project, any property that I, I've created will probably still go to my girls, probably still look after that sort of portfolio, you know, and take on the business. Or if you don't want to take on the business, that's absolutely fine. But, in you know, that's probably the only thing that's actually stayed the same is, is as I, when I decide to, stop uh, buying property for creating income and, 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 and so you think you'll stop wanting to buy property uh, I don't think I'll want to stop buying property I think I will be wanting to to have di different sort of goals in property which will then create different sorts of incomes and different sorts of of opportunities for, for myself and, and businesses. Yeah, so my opinion is of like, if, if is this the best way to create wealth? I don't think so. Because if someone's going to put their money into a house and just hope that it's going to create some kind of wealth over 10, 20, 50, 60 years, and that's their only kind of thing that they're doing. So the only thing that they're doing is is creating an income through some kind of career or job they have and hoping that the house is worth something, but which, by the way, either has to then be lived in by someone else in the family or it has to be sold, right? Yeah. And not normally when it's left to like a, more than one child or it's passed on to more than one person, one party, then like, there has to be some kind of buyout or some kind of more, you know, so there's still that aspect of like, you know, tax to consider, you know, if it's just inheritance, tax, capital gains, all of this stuff. So anyway, and that's years of journey mm. where like if it comes to, well, OK, I want to create some generational wealth. How do I make the money that I've got make me more money and actually use the money rather than investing it in a house? If you can call it investing, that is, which is going to you know, be there for 10, 20, 30 years, whatever rather than putting the money there, is actually get the money working somewhere else and actually multiply this strategy. So then you've got the capital gains, not just like, and when I say capital gains, I'm not talking about the tax aspect here. I'm talking about like, you've got the capital wealth. So you've got assets. Mm. Yeah, most people, they were told, and I know I was, that cash is king and get cash and only spend money if you've got the cash. But the truth is that leveraging debt, debt is money. I'm not going to go into the whole thing here now. I mean, there's plenty of resources that you can subscribe to across all the social medias. 
uh, to get uh, input on all of that from other interviews and other things that I've done. But if we look at creating like the, the value of assets and we take you know a 50K that I might put into one house to live in versus I'm going to put 50K into a house, create uh, an asset that's going to then pay me recurring income, be able to refinance that house and go to the next house and just keep rinsing and repeating. Plus, when you can learn how to raise money from our other sources as well, I mean, I've taught you know, hundreds of people I've had to, yeah, you included, yeah. with, on how to use other people's money to multiply this and the speed of this and the scale of it. Yeah, so how much money have you raised today in the last couple of years? Yeah, so in the last two years, we've managed to raise uh, £6.5 million. Pounds. I mean, that's huge because that's the private side of it. So this is what's paying for refurbs and deposits and stuff like that. And the rest that you can leverage from the banks, right? You imagine yeah. like that 6.5 is probably just a 25% of well no no it's not all going to be the 25 it's not all going to be the deposits but like you've got uh the leverage from the bank yeah definitely and with with, with the money that we've raised the projects that we've do, been doing we've had a mixture of we've, we've managed to raise private finance to fund the full full job of purchasing the, the property doing the whole refurb and then refinance into to obviously pull the money out, pay back the investors and then start having that asset and bringing in that income on some other stuff. We've raised the money, part of the money, part, you know, a big chunk of the deposit and half the refurb. And then we've, we've borrowed the money from the bank and majority of that money, we've actually, what we've raised is still in our pipeline because of we, we've, we've decided to, buy some bigger projects, buy land, look into more commercial to residential residential deals and projects and also into developments as well. So there's there's a lot, lot of aspects in that money, what we've raised that is probably not fully coming to fruition at the minute. Yeah, for but, sure. But over the next couple of years, um, you know, with, with the, the planning that we've put in, we'll hopefully, well, when it gets passed, will be rocking and rolling on, 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 on them projects as well. Yeah. And like, uh, I know um, you did some jobs very similar to the ones that I started out doing, which are like the HMOs and the units. You've transpired yours into service accommodation in some wonderful areas as well. And after doing, you know, roughly about 16 million quid's worth of those deals myself, I, uh, I'm now... And in fact, while we're recording this, we're just on the way now to, to view a hotel, which is um, a potential for the real life health spa resorts. Uh, so you can check out you know, the details and the videos on our websites and our YouTube channels and other social media pages about what the health spa resorts are all about and the well-being and education centers where we teach children you know, from four to 12 year old about like real life skills that they need, like finance, communication, relationships. So you can check all that out. But yeah, we're just on our way now. Um, we need to solidify what's there. Seven acres, 35 rooms, extension of 15 rooms, gives a total of 50 rooms. Yep. Restaurant, gym, spa, nature walks. Like We've got to go and see if the space is there. And these are the type of uh, projects we're moving into as well as building those new houses, 37 new houses and uh, other jobs for like the 60, 68 apartments uh, as well. So... Again, let's bring it back to what we're talking about, which is a 17-year 
like ascension of house prices and the value in the property market like what like yes or no what the short answer yes or no do you think there is going to be some kind of crash that people keep talking about no no why not uh i i, I just it's just what i believe i you mean at all or like in the, in the short term oh in the short term no i, th I think that the you know you can't go against history in, in the sense of, you know, every time it goes up, it comes down. Uh, it does, does it, it, it will always do that. I think in the short term, I don't think it will go down. You know, my personal opinion with people saying, oh, it's going to crash. I, I don't think that it's, that's going to happen for, you know, at least 10 years. But that's, that's just my opinion. I, I can't. Another 10 years, a 27 years ascension. Yeah, just just because if, if you look at if you look at you know the what's going on in the country, how people are buying the schemes that you can buy property at, you know. The, but, that, but that's got. Well, are you talking about the help to buy? Yeah, well, there's, there's help to buy. The, the, you know, there's a diff difference in equity share as well now that there's a possibility of how you you know purchase a house. There's, there's, there's various different things that you can do, and I think we've to help to buy schemes coming to an end. I think again, my opinion. I think that will get extended. I, I can't see see why it's been such a good good thing for the for first time buyers and cut. You know, I know that there is there is a diversity in in you know the housing market now where there is more demand for basically. A large one bed slash a two bed properties that are coming onto the market that are now, um, with the research that I've I've done with with when we're doing these thirty seven new builds, they're actually the criteria they're crying out to say actually, three beds are not desirable anymore for young couples in the areas that I've been looking at. They want a two bed which is more affordable. So it's so it's more more desirable because of the price. It's more desirable because of the price, and it's more desirable because they they, you know, not everyone can buy that first family family three bed house. Yeah, I mean, we were just at an event a few weeks ago where we do a two day event where we actually you know train a load of people to do these uh, deals and stuff, and we did some research in the Birmingham area because we always do it live just to show that you can start from nothing in a new area. And the research we did, there was literally two bedroom flats being rented out for two grand a month. Yeah. So it's, for me, you know, knowing, <clears throat> knowing your market, knowing what, you know, the local authority in the area that you're looking for, what they're wanting, and under, understanding. I think that's the, the biggest, you know, thing of anything that you do in property is understand not just the market but understand what the statistics show what the research is giving you to provide you with the best aspects of of, of homes for people whether that's hmo um a one two three four five bedroom house so and and the local authority will give you all that to make sure that they're hitting their targets with with you know progressing the area yeah so my interesting take on this whole crash thing is what do people actually define as a crash is it that the property part prices drop 
because if if that is how people are defining a crash, then isn't that good? Well, you know, isn't it good? Well, it's going to be good for some people, you know, because for people like us, if the prop like we get to buy properties at cheaper prices, but like if we look at it right now in the in the commercial world, yeah, I wouldn't say the prices are low, low, but there's a lot coming to the market. Yeah, probably a lot of repercussion from you know restrictions that have been in place where now people are coming to their end of like let's say their career, you know, like the B and B, you know, old couple that's ran a B and B or a hotel for many years, or you know, these restaurant or retail uh, owners that now it's like you know what I'd rather just sell it, cash in now, and be done with it because I don't want to have to change my business, adjust my business, take it online. You know, deal with all these restrictions if the, you know they keep happening and all of that. So there's a lot more coming to the market. I wouldn't say that they're, they're, they're cheap prices, but there's a lot more options or availability. Yeah. So what do you think would happen if the let's say there is a what is defined as a crash when house prices become lower? Like because the the crash is going to happen because of the supply and demand ratio. Yeah, so like, but, but like if people are not able to buy at higher prices, that means people stop buying. So then people can't sell their houses. So they have to lower the price if they want to sell the houses. And this also includes developers. So what if we're building, you know, a house with a, a, a or a site with 50 to 100 houses on it and people stop buying them? What's your opinion on that? And how do people cope with that? Because a lot of developers went bust in two, after 2008. Uh, well, I, I suppose. As I say, after two thousand eight, they go and bust all the time. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think you know, with with something like that, you know, you've, you've, there's always got to be a cost surplus demand margin on everything. So if the demand goes, the cost the cost comes down, and the the, the surplus goes down. So. It, it, it's all, all dependent on how how you run that business. So, uh, as a, a a developer that goes bust, um, j just just from you know my my opinion and experience it is is you've always got to have a certain profit margin to make anything viable. Now, if if someone's not buying the house or the house is deemed to all of a sudden be dramatically lower because of the market's crashed. There's, there's still an element of there that there's got to be some sort of surplus to obviously keep that business afloat and you're not flying too close to the sun, as they say, to make sure that you you can still acquire sites, you can still supply the demand, regardless if the house price has dropped a bit. Because at the end of the day, if house prices drop and, and you've also got to think of the knock-on effect of that, of, of Actually, materials will also drop as well. So, yeah, but I think there's a lag time between all of this because the people have got used to nice high wages at the minute in the mm. construction. You know, that takes time to drop in until people are like, you know what, I've got to accept something at a lesser rate if that's all people can pay. You know, if people are not buying materials, that takes a lag time for that to drop as well. Mm. You know, so it's, 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 they don't all move, it don't all happen overnight. Yeah, mm. but here's another thing the people sometimes fail to ask this question and that is uh, but that's also depends on your strategy because my strategy has always been to be in long-term wealth and create cash right now 
cash through uh, capital, like flipping and selling properties, and also recurring income. Yeah, so, so if people are not buying houses, then what are they doing? They're renting. Yeah. Yeah, so if your strategy is hybrid versus like I can either sell properties or I can rent properties and making sure they work on either or the exits, then, then that is just one of the ways, and obviously we teach many different ways, but that's one of the ways of you can like, future-proof your business. Now, here's another thing to consider. Like something that I was do, always do, like I don't want to wait 10 years for my money, and that's called appreciation. Yeah, of the of the asset. Yeah, so what we do is we do something called we force the appreciation. So by doing these conversions, putting them into another bracket, what does that mean? Taking you know two beds into three beds, three beds into four beds, and so on. Yeah, creating a more valuable asset. We force the appreciation in like six to twelve months, depending on the size of the project. Maybe a couple of years on some of the bigger ones, and then now, now we force that appreciation. And I have sold a lot of properties over the last year or so just because. Number one, we forced the appreciation, but also the market has continued to be on the rise. So we've made like like four, five, six times the money, six times, like 600% return on the money just from one particular deal. Now you spread that across a number of different deals, that return looks sexy. That's why I'll always want to put my money into these type of investments to get the return. Because then from this return, I can pay for the lifestyle and I can pay for wherever it is that I want to live. And I'm, so I'm getting paid to live my life and I'm getting paid to live in my house. Mm. Like I literally get paid, like the money that's worked and that is working gets paid. So, so like if someone is just doing one or two deals or you're banking on making this, because that's what most people do. Like I'm going to do one flip. So I've got the capital to invest myself. That, again, is also a fear mechanism of people not knowing how to go out there and raise money from other sources. Yeah. So what's happened is because of that fear, they don't raise money. They want to make the flip. And now they're relying on this one deal. And if something does change in the market or they don't sell it for what they want, now it kind of screws them up because they only had like one trick up their sleeve. Yeah. Like if you're doing five projects at one time, people perceive that as risky. I've always said the risk is doing one deal. Yeah, you know, like we're going to look at this hotel. This is just one of three hotels in the UK. I mean, obviously, the plan for that chain of hotels and everything we've got planned for the real life community is to have 13 of these resorts in 10 different countries, diversifying across different, you know, cultures, areas, and uh, different properties, which essentially they're all going to be like individual businesses that are connected through the brand, obviously, yeah. and the community and, and all of that. But, uh, I see the only challenge can be is when like you just got one trick or one product or one service, you know, like Blockbuster. Yeah. You know, Blockbuster, they had one trick, one service. Yeah. And when the market says, hey, listen, the requirement for this ain't there no more. If there was, well, obviously they still could have changed, but they didn't. And this is what most people don't do. They're like, yeah, I'm making all my money from selling houses. Well, if that changes and the rental demand's going up, then you better start renting houses. Mm. Yeah, but if people are not equipped or the business is not equipped to generate, because let's face it, I can create massive lump sums of cash. Sometimes off, you know, just even the smaller properties, we can be making anywhere between 50 to 200K a time, where to get that in rental income, that's going to take many years, you know, so especially if we're talking about profit here. Mm. You know, profit from a rental income, I might be looking at what? Sometimes, 12, like, I know people make less than this, 
but you, we could be making 20 grand a year you know we could be making 15 grand a year 12 grand a year you know some as little as five grand a year and some of the buy to lets and things like that mm. so you know the difference of keeping my business going if i'm making two five grand versus i'm making 200 grand mm. that's where i think the difficulty becomes for a lot of people yeah but i, I suppose that's where i guess what what are your what are your outcomes what are you trying to achieve with 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 sort of property there because that's a question many people fail to answer before they start. Yeah. And why they run around in circles thinking, just gonna buy a property, just gonna buy a yeah. property. I mean I mean for me, you know, as much as I want you know, I want that monthly income, I want that revenue coming in every month. My actual long term game is like, well, actually I'm more project based. So moving moving from, you know, rent to rent, HMOs into service accommodation now you know into to hotels and developments it's it's more i'm more project based with that and that that's what excites me so that's what drives me to to do what i'm doing and and yes the the aspect of having income coming in and and building my assets is absolutely fantastic at the same time but the for me, focus, focusing on that sort of thing will literally stop me from doing what I want to do in property. So, well, you mean focusing on the money will actually stop you doing what you want to do? Yeah, yeah. For, for me, yes, exactly. Because if I focus on the money, it will, for me, it will take my eye off of actually what excites me about property, what what wants, what's going to push me in property, what you know. That, that bigger outcome, that bigger project, scaling up to where I want to be, to not not just have the wealth, but you know, creating something that you know, like the real life uh, well-being resorts, health and resorts. That's the stuff that you know that that's where I give back. But also, that's a project that excites me. Which yeah. there, there's a goal in mind, not only to create wealth, but to create excitement and to also pass on to other people to 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 experience a good a good experience if they need that health well-being resort yeah i totally get you because the other side of it is like people they don't enjoy the journey and it becomes like a, a bind for them it's like a burden to go and view properties I mean, I don't view a property as a whole lot of stuff. Like, I like to do the fun aspect. I like, you know, recording the journey of us to go do yeah. it so so I can help others, teach others, put content out there so people can see, hey, listen, yeah, anybody can go and do this. You don't have to be a genius to figure it out. Uh, it is pretty straightforward if you follow just a few simple steps and then have, a, have the community around you to help you overcome whatever happens. So I totally get you, like, and... and that's that like property investing for me is a vehicle and that's what you just explained there it's like a vehicle and you're using it to do what you love which is managing the projects pulling them together doing the designs and, and obviously we work, we work on a lot of projects together so yeah so i know that about you uh, and i know that's what you love doing and getting spiced up and, and keep filling that pipeline um but 
yeah, some people they might speculate about there's going to be a crash and they might, that might that might determine their decision whether to invest or not. Some people might say, oh, what, 17 years high, let's jump on the bandwagon. You know, it could be another 10 years if Steve says so. <laughs> yeah, a jump on in the bandwagon. My, in my opinion. Yeah. My, yeah well, but, you know, with what I, that's how I feel about it. I could be completely wrong. It could crash tomorrow, but that's that. Yeah, that, that's just my opinion of where I see yeah. see things moving. But my, my kind of opinion, and I've seen it and I've done it as well, especially as uh, my first kind of business, if you could even call it that, after 2008, you know, came to a close. I want to say it went bust because it didn't go bust. It just was like no work, no money, so there's nothing to do anymore. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I've been around the ups and downs and the twists and turns, and uh, I've seen, you know, this whole, these old restrictions as they came out, and I've, I've seen exponential growth through these times through now being prepared on how to handle them. So my kind of conclusion, if we can call it that, is that whether the market is going up, value of the assets, or whether it's going down, which means just the value of what people are buying it for or less, or whether it goes around and around, or whether it's staying the same, it doesn't make any difference to me. Yeah, And anyone who follows the same formulas and processes and, and principles from it, from in our community, it don't make no difference to them either. Because you make money when it's going up, you make money when it's going down, you make money when it's going around and around and side to side, doesn't matter. Because at the end of the day, there's always going to be a demand. It's just that when the demand shifts, you've got to be flexible and be able to adjust and provide what the market needs. Look at all these tech companies. I mean, in the tech industry, it happens faster you know, because it's easier, it's more liquid. But when the market demands something, you've got to give it to them. Yeah, so in the property market, what do people want? And I see more people want renting, especially when they know how to get money to work for them. Of course they want to rent. Why would you want to buy, put your house and be have a fixed place? Yes, but especially when you want to start going to bigger houses, you know, and live in bigger houses, if that's what people desire. They don't sell as quick or as easy. Yeah. Yeah, so if you want to move or you want to get cash for some reason to get it to work for you, it's not always possible.